I believe in your vibe attracts your tribe. And for me, my tribe is about women having a place to celebrate their unique femininity shamelessly. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Photo Pros Weekly. I'm Brandon Heiss and I'm here again with Olivia Tuttle. And this week we're going to take a deep dive with Jen Rosenbaum. Jen is a boudoir photographer based just outside of New York City and she is one of my favorite people in the entire world uh, you know, to, to have on this podcast. We're so lucky to have you, Jen. How are you? Hi, you guys are my favorite people too. I'm good. How are you? We're doing good. It's, uh, it's, it's spring is here. We're, we're having a good time. It's good to get outside and shoot again. I know you're often inside shooting, but, um, that's something we should talk about today because I do have some questions about that, but we'll get to that later on. Um, Jen, for people that don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us who you are, how long you've been doing uh, photography. Um, just kind of a, give us a, your elevator pitch. Sure. Well, my name is Jen Rosenbaum. I am from Long Island, New York, so just outside Manhattan, um, or for those of us New Yorkers, the city. Um, <laughs> and I am a boudoir photographer, and I have been since 2008-ish, nine, somewhere in the border there. I'm not sure exactly when it happened, um, but I've been shooting boudoir and exclusively boudoir um, for about 12 years. And I am also a breast cancer survivor, and I do a lot of work with my photography in the breast cancer realm. Uh, advocating for um, women that, you know, for self-checks and to help normalize breast cancer bodies in the world. And a Sorry. proud dog mommy. <laughs> My, dog. <laughs> My dog used to like be a part of everything. It's all right. Time. Welcome the dog to the show. What's the dog's name? His name is Tex. Hey, like Tex. Tex. Well, now everybody has to look at the YouTube video. He's from this. Yeah, he's cutie. Well. And so... His whole thing is when I'm working, he has to sit behind me. So when I wrote my book, he sat behind me the entire time. Or if I'm on a podcast, he's got to like sit with me. It's very funny. And he knows, like he'll come to the door and bark. Like, what are you doing in there without me? Yeah, you're talking to somebody. I need to be part of this. Well, welcome <laughs> Tex to the show. For those watching on YouTube, you get to see the cuteness of Tex. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, so you, thank you for that background history and uh we love that you are passionate about things outside of photography obviously i think what you've done uh you know with your history with breast cancer and breast cancer survivors and empower i think it just goes along with everything you stand for what i've always known you to stand for with the uh you know boudoir photography just the empowerment of women i mean you know i think some people have this weird misconception of boudoir that it's pornographic or that it's you know it sexualizes women but you do it for the total opposite reason um so yeah we, we love you jen we always have we always will and uh you always have you know you, you do things for the right reason so that's that's part of the reason why we love you so much thank you and i adore you guys too you know and i know that this is not gear centered but i just want to say that you know because you guys make such amazing lights and amazing gear it allows me to effort, effortlessly do my work so um you know i just really appreciate that yeah happy to and, do and it for it and always your support you know and I, and I say that to people all the time boudoir photographers especially that we need to support the companies that support boudoir because a lot of companies don't understand it. They don't understand how it can't be sexualized and how it's, you know, what do you mean? And you guys have always been very supportive of that. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Happy to do it. So let's jump in. You said you've always done boudoir photography. 
uh, or or maybe you said you've done it exclusively for the past you know decade or so. Um, why boudoir photography, and how like did you go through other types of photography before you settled on boudoir? Tell tell us a little bit about your path because that's a very like you don't see a lot of photographers say, you know what, boudoir is my thing. I'm gonna go there first. Normally it's like I'm gonna take pictures of kids, families, weddings first, and then I might kind of you know, go outside of my comfort zone. But tell us about your path. Yeah, I have a little bit of that, but I will explain. So in 2008, I was a stay-at-home mom and um, I had a daughter and we were trying to have another baby and we were having a lot of failures, um, lots of lots of issues, lots of surgeries and lost pregnancies and, and all sorts of really sad, <laughs> depressing things. And I mean, you know me well enough now, you didn't know me back then, but you know me now to know that I'm a pretty upbeat person and I, you know, focus on the positive. But it was really a difficult time in my life. And I, what I did was to distract myself, I taught myself photography. So I sat in my living room and I would play with the camera and I would take a picture and turn a knob and just try to figure out how the camera worked. And then what I started doing was taking the camera with me places. So I was going to birthday parties and baby namings and christenings and you know all the things that you do when, when kids are little. And it was depressing, to be honest with you, because all I wanted was another baby. And all these you know moms were there saying, oh, having two is so hard and you have no idea and you're so lucky. And I'm thinking to myself, really, you know, it's all I wanted to have another baby. But if I brought the camera with me, it sort of allowed me to take a step back I didn't really have to integrate myself with these conversations. And at the same time, it allowed me to see joy and happiness. And I was just taking pictures for fun and just sort of a distraction and learning. And then um, early 20, early 2009, a friend of mine who was also a mom um, who dabbled in photography said, I'm, I'm going to photograph two sisters for a boudoir session. Would you come with me and help me? Now, at that point, I had done a couple of small weddings, really small. I hated it. Uh, you know, a couple portrait sessions just for fun, but I really, nothing lit me up. It wasn't where I was like, oh, this is amazing. I love this. Um, in fact, the weddings I, I hated, it was like capital H. I will never shoot another wedding again. Um, so this, this woman asked me, will you come? Will you help me shoot these two sisters? I don't really know what I'm doing. And I was like, well, I certainly don't know what I'm doing, but I'll go with you. And we went and I just felt every cell in my body come alive. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. So I went home and I said, I want to be a boudoir photographer when I grow up. I changed my bedroom into a studio. I changed my basement into an office. And I asked my best friend to take her clothes off for me so I could take pictures of her. And 48 hours later, I had a website up and I had a business. As far as I was concerned, I'm like, I have a business. Here we go. And really, that's all it took. And it's funny because I always say, like, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Like, if I had known what I know now, I probably would have given myself a thousand reasons not to start a photography business. But not knowing back then anything about the industry, really even about photography, by the way, um, you know, not knowing, I was just like, I don't care whether I know or not, I'll learn. This is what I love to do. And it lit me up and it still lights me up every single day. And, you know, this was really before social media started. So it's interesting because I had to figure out ways to bring people in for this and I had to figure out ways to get my message out. And part of, I think, why people really liked me and liked coming to me was because I was very vocal about my fertility issues and it started attracting women who had fertility issues. And then I realized like, this is bigger than just photography. This is about connection with women. This is about giving us a space to speak our minds and be honest and open and, and, you know, um, truthful and, 
you know, then I, it became like, okay, I'm going to get my body back after my baby. And then women were doing that. And then I was turning 40 and then my clients were all turning 40. And then I was diagnosed with breast cancer and here we are, you know, I photograph mostly breast cancer survivors now, not all, but mostly. So, you know, it's, interesting how my business has kind of grown with me and it's why I only do this because it's what I have the most passion for and it lights me up and I just I'm really obnoxious I like I don't want to get out of bed for anything else you know like if I'm going to leave my family if I'm going to if I'm going to get out of bed it's got to be something that lights me up and makes me so happy and and on that note I don't consider myself a photographer I consider myself a photographer therapist because what I do has a very therapeutic aspect to it even though I'm not a therapist and that's why I love what I do so much I think a lot of people relate I think we've had other guests on this podcast that say you know um, you're like a, a therapist or a psychiatrist like the photography portion is like 10 percent but it's like the relationships and relating with the uh, the client or whoever you're photographing, that's like what you need to really be an expert in. Well, and it sounds like there's so many people that follow you, like what you said, you had the fertility issues and then it was sort of the getting your body back and breast cancer. I mean, yeah, it's just really relatable. Absolutely. And I think that's, and the you're real, Jen. Like yeah. that's honestly, yeah. like I love that, like there's no bullshit with Jen. You know what Jen's thinking. She's not like a yes, yes man. Like she'll, she'll tell you like, Brandon, like you're screwing this up or <laughs> I don't agree with that or this, like, I just, you're real. Like that's, I can't appreciate that enough. Like there's nothing worse than somebody that just says, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, And then, then they never follow up. Like Jen's the kind of person that'll say, here's what I'm going to do. And she does it. Like it's, it's, it's well, that is refreshing. Also <laughs> yeah. A little bit of the New York in me, you yeah. know, I don't really know how to hold it in all the time, yeah. but the truth is it comes from a place of love always. Like I will never say something to somebody that is hurtful. I always will be honest with love and say, you know, I think that this is a better way of doing this, or I think that we can help more people like this or, or whatever it might be. And I'm the same way with my clients. I mean, you know, like a lot of times people will say, well, what if your client's wearing something that you don't like, or it doesn't look good on them? I'm like, I tell them, what do you mean? You know, like not a personal insult. They want to look beautiful. You can't hide that stuff. So I, I am, I am, um, definitely not a people pleaser in that way, but I do so with love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if they look bad, you usually can fix it with posing because well, Jen is the queen of posing. Like anybody, <laughs> any, I mean, I've seen it with my own eyes. She's just brilliant like that. So, all right. So, so you started photographing, you said you started with your best friend or a good friend. So take your clothes off. She probably freaked out, but then you made some amazing images. How long after that, and after your website was set up, how long after that were you really like starting to feel confident about this business? Because you said, you know, as far as I knew, the business was uh, set up that, that afternoon, but how long before business started rolling and you're like, you know what, this is like my career now? I'll let you know when it happens. <laughs> <laughs> See, she's so humble too. I love it. It's, but it's true, you know, because it's like, especially after this last year, business has changed so much. It's like, you know, I don't really care who you are. You could have worked your butt off for the last 10 years and built an amazing business. And then COVID comes and it's like, just kidding, you know? So, um, there is a lot of truth to that, but I will tell you that I started bringing in clients right away because what I did was I implemented 
an influencer program. And I didn't call it the influencer program back then because I didn't know what an influencer was because there was no social media. But essentially what I did was um, I did something very smart, I will admit. Um, I knew that on Long Island there was a chat board on uh, the internet. I was going to say Facebook, but it's not on Facebook because there was no Facebook. It was a chat board on the internet for Long Island brides. And I was familiar with it from when I got married. And I knew that there was sort of like a mob mentality in there that if one woman would post about something, even just one, and this woman was like the it woman, everybody wanted to be like her, then everybody would do what she did. So I started seeing trends where like women would start putting like blue rhinestones on their shoes, for example. Now all of a sudden everybody on Long Island was wearing blue rhinestone shoes to their wedding or, you know, a bride had a special cake topper made. Now everybody had this cake topper made. So I was like, well, I have this idea. I want to start this business. I don't know where to get people. I'm going to go to somebody who has an audience already. So I went to this forum and the people that ran the forum and I said to them, um, I want to advertise with you. I didn't really care about the advertising, to be honest, but I, what I said was I want to run a contest and the winner of the contest will get a free boudoir shoot. The asterisk is they have to share it obviously, because it's promotion for me. They have to sign a model release. They have to be comfortable sharing their photos. And so they offered that opportunity to me. They said, okay, if you advertise, we'll let you do this contest. Great idea. And I didn't care who entered. I just wanted to make sure that like one or two of these influencer type women entered and sure enough, they did. And what do you know? It was a tie. So two women won and, um, I photographed them. And then, so in the first two years of my business, I photographed, um, almost 400, a little over 400 women by myself in my bedroom, just from that situation alone. So which by the way, I don't recommend, like it was a really stupid idea because I was, I was back then, you know, like super cheap and like just as many people yeah. as I could get. Now I'm like the total opposite. I'm like, how few people can I shoot this year? Um, but you know, um, I'm constantly learning about business and, and, you know, I come from an entrepreneurial family. My parents have owned a business since I'm seven years old. They started it in the basement of their house. Um, I still do some work for them now. And again, I do some social media work for them actually. Um, and you know, what I've learned from them is that business is your business should be a living and breathing organism. You never have it figured out. And again, this past year has shown us that, right? I mean, I've had to make pivots in my business to, to stay afloat. Nobody was coming in for shoots for a good eight months, nine months. Um, business is still slow, but I, I'm figuring it out. And and maybe it's like kind of a good opportunity to start over, you know, like, okay, maybe we, we do things differently this time around. You know, I don't know. I just saw an article on that. There was the, a lot of people are using like the pandemic as like a reset button to like really evaluate their happiness. And like, am I ha like Jen said, you know, yeah. you, you're, you think you're an expert at something, you've been doing it for 10 years. And then <laughs> this is like an opportunity to be like, maybe I want to try something different. Mm -hmm. Like this is the next chapter in my book and I'm going to pivot out of this because I don't see it as a sustainable, you know, thing. Um, so that's really interesting. So, well, Jen, I've got some questions about boudoir and I don't know, Olivia, you, you may have some questions. Yeah, I've got questions it. too. <laughs> so we're going to kind of send some questions your way. I, I, I kind of alluded it to in, in the intro I see indoor boudoir like as very popular. And I imagine that has to be just because it's more private. It's more mm -hmm. intimate. Um, generally don't want to have somebody like, you know, getting down in their, you know, underwear and, you know, Walking out in through public the park. At, the, <laughs> at the local park, you know, you're getting the police called on you. <laughs> so, so like, 
do you do outdoor boudoir? I don't think I've ever seen you do outdoor. I used to. When I lived in my old house where I had my studio in my house, there was a little wooded area by my house that I would take people to sometimes. Um, but generally speaking, clients don't want to be outdoors unless there's a specific reason for it. Like they want to go to the beach or they might want to, um, say, oh, you know, come to my house. I have this property or whatever, but it's so rare. People really want to be inside. Um, yeah, it's rare. Thank God. Cause I don't Mm -hmm. like being out in the cold. (laughs) (laughs) Like this is why I gave up weddings. This is like horrible. Um, no, mostly inside. Okay, that answers my question. Yeah, well, so I guess you also alluded to it too, but do you think that um, the common misconception is that it's very, like, scandalous to do boudoir? Or, I mean, I don't know. You have so many women that follow you through, like, the journey and stuff. Do you think it's more so men that would think that or? So here's here's the thing about it. It's funny because I did another interview today where somebody asked, you know, if somebody's not in New York, how do they find a boudoir photographer, right? Because if you're in New York and you don't come to me, I'm going to cry. <laughs> in New York, how do you find somebody? And my answer to that is that um, there are a lot of different types of boudoir photographers out there. Boudoir is not just one photography, okay? There are boudoir photographers that are very into empowerment. There's boudoir photographers that are into body acceptance specifically. There's boudoir photographers that are into a more sexualized type of photography. There are boudoir photographers that are into couples photography. There are so many different types of missions in in boudoir photography. If you think about any other genre, for example, like weddings, there's people shoot all different styles in their weddings, right? Some people are light and airy. Some people are dark and moody. And it's really a matter of they're capturing what they see because probably those weddings are not so much different, but a photographer has a right to put the artistic spin on it, right? So boudoir photography is the same thing. There's nothing wrong, you know, this isn't a wrong or a right thing. There isn't anything wrong with a boudoir photographer who maybe shoots in a more sexual way. It's just not my jam. So I believe in your vibe attracts your tribe. And for me, my tribe is about women having a place to celebrate their unique femininity shamelessly and showing up as who they are. And I applaud that. And, and, you know, there's a great energy there, but it doesn't mean that somebody that shoots more sexualized is wrong unless they're just like a total pervert and they're doing it for that purpose. And those people do exist, sadly. And some of them are in my classes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you stop being a photographer right now. But (laughs) call them out. I do. That's where the honesty comes in, right? Yeah. yeah. Have a talk. Um, (laughs) Take your point and shoot and go somewhere else. Um, But anyway, um, the point is that, you know, for, for clients, it's very important for them to find the person who matches their style and their mission. What do they want to get out of this? Some of them want to come in and totally be sexualized and feel like, you know, this is, this is what I want. And that's okay for them too, the owning their sexuality and, and whatnot, but they're not going to get that from me, you know? So they have to understand, people have to understand. Now, as far as men are concerned, I want to say there's a lot of really amazing male boudoir photographers out there and it is possible but it's hard. It's harder to find, of course, because, you know, what are the intentions? That's what we always have to ask. And and do men, do men shoot more sexualized than women? Probably, probably. You know, the one thing that I, that I always say is I can do a lot of things. I can pose, I can light, I can dress the client, I can instruct her, I can make her feel good at, about herself, but I can never see her the way a man sees her. I just can't. Yeah. I don't have That's that. That's what I was going to say. Like, men just... 
most men look at women differently and they're like, this is what I think is like pretty and attractive. Yet that may not be the reason she's there. So I can totally see what you're saying. Like, I would be like, this is perfect. I think you look hot. I think you look great. You know, but she's like, I just want, I don't want to look hot. I want to, this is for me. This is like, I've reached a milestone of some sort and I want to celebrate that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so that's where I think, what you said, the the tribe of the vibe or what? Your vibe attraction. that's that's so like i mean that's how everybody should shop though right i mean that's how you should kind of shop a wedding photographer that's how you should shop Mm -hmm. a you know a sports photographer Mm -hmm. i think that's that's kind of a cool statement to live by yeah so very cool all right so boudoir 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 what do you hate what would you you something you've tried you never want to do it again is it weddings oh for sure how much how much if 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 you got a, a it's me I, I, not not me it's somebody you don't know they walk in off the street hey i need you to shoot my wedding what's your price it's got to be jen rosenbaum it's got to be a million dollars wow gotta have a lot of zeros yeah i i why would they want you i'd be so bad at it it's like i i would feel guilty taking any money i, I was not good at it Brandon, yeah. my first wedding I shot, it was November 22nd, 2008. I will never forget because it was the worst day of my life. And I shot this couple who were together in high school and then they they divorced. No, sorry. They were together in high school, married other people, got divorced and came back together, right? So they oh, both wow. had kids. It was like a Brady Bunch situation. <laughs> and the kids hated the fact that the parents were getting married. So the enti- it was just the kids and the parents. It was like a really small ceremony. It was like a did- wonderful day for everybody. Yeah, I only did like these little teeny tiny weddings, you know? And half the time I showed up, they didn't even hire me. I just showed up to take pictures and then they would buy pictures after or whatever. I was mm-hmm. new. I didn't know what I was doing. These pictures, first of all, they're all on an angle and they're like wearing ties and I like, you know, selectively colored the ties, of course, because, you know, uh-huh. come on, it was 2008. And <laughs> I mean, the whole time the kids were like saying things. They were like harassing the parents during the ceremony and, and anything nice. I asked them to do, they wouldn't do. And I was like, why does anybody do this for a living? I'm confused. But, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to do that ever. But I'm sure you photograph a lot of brides, right? Like in boudoir, because they I, have these books that they always give their husbands. I used to photograph a lot of brides. And then what happened was that was really more towards the beginning when I marketed to the bridal site. And then what I realized was brides were really cheap. And um, really, they were not just were they cheap, or maybe I was cheap, and I was just attracting the brides, I don't know. But (laughs) um, part of the problem was they just came in to do it for him. And it was very unfulfilling for me. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I wasn't really making an impact. So I changed my marketing quite a bit to like do it for you. And that's really what I try to draw in. So I very, very rarely shoot a bride at this point. And um, I'm okay with that. Oh, I like that. I mean, it really does speak to just the woman empowerment that you have all the time. You're kind of like, if you're going to come here with me and do this, it's for you. Yes. A hundred percent because otherwise they come in, it's like, well, he likes this and he likes that. And, he, and I'm like, who cares about him? You know, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, what do you, what do you want to do? What do you, you yeah. know, like I would find my, I mean, you know me, like you said, I speak my mind. I'm always like, oh, who cares? You know, like what's happening here? This isn't feeling good for me. Mm-hmm. And again, if I'm going to go and I'm going to put my life into my business, I'm going to leave my kids. I'm going to do whatever. I want to make sure that we're connecting and I feel fulfilled also. I mean, one of the beautiful things about boudoir and I think a lot of portrait photography is that it's one-on-one and it's so much about the connection that you have with the client versus something like wedding photography where you're supposed to fall into the background and be unseen. 
that's part, probably partially why I didn't like it was because not to be like, oh, it wasn't about me, but it wasn't about me. I wasn't creating the experience. I was just witnessing the experience and taking pictures of it. With boudoir, I get to create the experience. I get to create the interaction. And I love that. That's part of what I do, right? You've seen me teach. I'm trying to teach people. This isn't just about what shutter speed you use or you know what power your strobe is on. This is about how do you connect with somebody? How do you make them feel good? How do you bring them out into a photograph? So Jen, where, like you've been doing, and I know this because my wife follows you on Instagram. Hey. You've been doing a lot of like real, she talks about reels. Like what's this about? Is this like, you're, you're always kind of on the cutting edge of, of social media. I feel like, I don't know. You're always in social media. You're always act very active in social media. Like what it's fun stuff. Like you're, t you're telling, like I saw one the other day. It was like, uh, how clients start and they're like acting really like conservative and then it's like by the end they're you know they're like you know. <laughs> yeah exactly so it's like funny it's funny and it's real like i i don't know it w you're finding a lot of retention or a lot of views with with those types of short videos yeah there's a lot more interaction with those videos um you know the thing is about about social media, Instagram specifically, because I do post on Instagram almost every day. And it's funny because I just missed the last two days. I've just been really busy and I just got a message from somebody that was like, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> like, you haven't posted in two days. I'm like, oh my God, relax. You're uh, like Ellen at four. Like, but, I need to see it. <laughs> but I, I try to post every single day, okay? I at least post 30 days out of a month. And <laughs> the thing is about social media and Instagram specifically, but not only Instagram, is that you have to play their game. Mm -hmm. So when they roll something new out, you have to not be like, nah, it's not really my thing. No, it must be your thing because that's what they're promoting. That's what they want people to see. And so especially in the very beginning, I mean, I think we kind of missed that window already. If like you're just starting now, especially mm -hmm. in the very beginning, they would really push you a lot harder. And I gained a lot more followers in the very beginning of the reels um, because they would really push those out because that's what they wanted people to see. So yes, the reels are very helpful. You have to be, um, at least in the way I do them, you have to not be afraid to make a fool out of yourself. In fact, sometimes the more foolish you are, the more it gets watched, <laughs> the more sure. people like it. Sure. Uh, my, my scale is the embarrassment scale. Like if my kid is like, I cannot believe you made that real. I'm like, yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah. Um, and for me, it's been an interesting journey with social media because I'm appealing to more than one audience, right? I'm appealing sure. to potential clients. I'm appealing to photographers and I'm appealing to breast cancer, the breast cancer world. So how do I marry all of those into one thing? The reels have also helped me do that. Um, but yeah, they're silly. They're time consuming to make sometimes. Um, yeah, how much do you, how much time do you put in? Like it's, it seems like, okay, this it's is constant. a 10 second video, but like, are you spending like two hours of your afternoon to do these? Like, like, are you like, how's my hair? How's my makeup? Right. What, what outfit should I wear? What relates to this audience? You know, this is my, I used to do them like 
one, one, I would say, okay, I feel I'm going to do one. I have an idea. I'm going to do it. And mm-hmm. then I post it. Now I batch them. So I'll take a day and on, I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, we're in pandemic time, right? Like if there's a day where I'm doing my hair and makeup, I'll be like, today's a day. I need to shoot some reels. <laughs> and so knock five of them out. <laughs> right, exactly. I'll knock five of them out. I'll change my shirt every time or sometimes <laughs> I don't even care anymore. Very strategic. Um, you know, and I'll just knock them out and I'll keep them in my drafts so that this way I know, okay, I have them to post or, or times like, you know, we have some travel coming up, so I'll have to batch some or I'll do some. Uh, if I have a client that I know is like, oh, yeah, you can totally put me on camera. I'm like, great, let's film a reel today. Um, it's 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 hard to keep up with sometimes. It's a lot to do. But again, you have to play their game. You have to play by their rules if you want to get seen on social media. Well, we'll get your Instagram handle at the end, but I, I definitely recommend Jen, my wife, who is a teacher, has no relation to the photography industry, loves following Jen. You're one of her favorite people to follow. And she's like, hey, look what Jen's doing. I'm like, Jen's in her bra and underwear today. What is going on? You know, here's the funny thing about the reels. First of all, you know, there's a lot of reels that I do that have nothing to do with anything. Like I did one where I was like climbing on the counter and taking stuff out of the uh, cabinet, you know, talking about being really short. This is this is just my life. Like I'm just trying to show my life and showing yeah. life mm-hmm. because it builds trust with people. You know, they're like, oh, I feel like I know you. But the second thing is that I love that people see my reels until I like go out to dinner with my friends and they're like, Jen, I saw you in your underwear yesterday. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I kind of wish I could like block the people that really know me, but <laughs> it's like super embarrassing. But, um, you know, it's fun. I have fun with it. If you can't have fun with it, then what's the point, right? Yeah, but yeah, exactly. I, listen, I am never afraid to get in my underwear for anything, you know? <laughs> well, and I think that's Cleaning going back to boudoir a little bit. Like, I think I've heard you say in the past, like, if I am going to ask a client to get in their bra and underwear to do a shoot, then I need to walk a mile in their shoes so that I can feel what they're feeling. And, you know, so are you still doing I think you at one point I heard you say you're doing that once a year. Obviously, COVID probably, you know, cut that a little bit, but you've done it several times yourself. I have done it several times. Um, I have not done one with somebody else since. I think it's been about two years and change because COVID really kind of, but also I've had some surgeries and whatnot that I've had to recover from, but I Mm -hmm. have done a lot of selfie sessions, especially through COVID. I had two surgeries over COVID. So I often take pictures of myself through the surgeries. I want to, again, normalize breast cancer bodies, show people what mastectomies look like, what bruising looks like, um, you know, what, what incisions look like. And the reason why Brandon is because when I was diagnosed with cancer and I was faced with a double mastectomy, Um, you know, I started looking online, like you Google double mastectomy before and after whatever it might be. And the photos are horrifying. They're horrifying. You're like, Oh my God, I am. Is that what I'm going to look like? Because most of them that you find online are botched surgeries or like, Mm. you know, this is, or surgeries from some, you know, crazy plastic surgeon in the middle of Topeka, Kansas, you know, like (laughs) no offense to anyone in Kansas, but a New York surgeon is not, you know what I'm saying? You don't have as many choices. You're, you're, just kind of stuck with what you have so it's it's really scary it's horrifying and it also tends to be the medical photos like I you know many times I've had to get undressed and have them take before and afters of me um, in the medical office you know how that is it's first of all the person's not even a photographer but second of all it sucks the light (laughs) they just want to see you know they don't care they just want to know shape documentation 
then they do like the 3D picture and you're like, oh my God, this is horrible. And it's like the worst feeling to stand there to just become like a headless torso. And mm. it's like, you just feel it's awful. And those are the pictures that we're seeing, right? Mm -hmm. And they're not people, they're just torsos. They're, they're, you know, you don't know what's going on with the people. And it's just, it was scary. It was really, really scary. And, you know, for me, I've had four reconstruction surgeries. So what I ended up with in the beginning wasn't so far off from all of these scary pictures that I saw. So now obviously it looks a lot better. I've been through, I have a new doctor who's amazing and I, I've gone through more surgeries and it's, for me, it's part of the mission. I have this, this um, body and I have a camera and I have an audience, why would I not show this is what your body actually could look like? Yes, it's a journey and it's difficult and there's bruising and there's this and there's that. But at the end of the day, there's also life and there's happiness and you can feel whole again. You'll never maybe be the same. Certainly I'm not the same as I was before cancer, but I want to show people there is also a beautiful aspect to this. I can take a beautiful photo of somebody with scars and bruising. It doesn't have to just be a medical, scary, cold portrait of somebody. Mm -hmm. So, and just trying to normalize that. That exists now in many areas on Instagram. Like I see a lot of people posting pictures like this, but even four years ago when I was diagnosed, it didn't exist. You would it have never seen it. It would have been so taboo that, you know. And I do think you've changed a lot of people's opinions on that. I mean, certainly the people that follow you regularly, but I also think you provide a lot of encouragement for people that may just be starting that journey, um, just go at, at so many parts of the state, uh, so many stages of the, of that journey. Uh, you're probably helping a lot of people. Yeah. So. so it is like a really vulnerable I mean, do you ever get, I'm sure you get a lot of great feedback, but do you ever get anybody that kind of has the opposite opinion and they're like, oh, you should keep that hidden? And It happens once in a while. And, you know, I am like a delete and move on kind of a person. If somebody makes a comment, um, they don't often make comments about me, but sometimes they'll make comments about the people that I photograph. Like I recently posted a woman who was covered with tattoos. Um, she had had a mastectomy. She had fake breasts and she's freaking beautiful and like amazing and he was like too many tattoos for me I was like, who asked you you know yeah. <laughs> but I just delete like I don't I don't take things personally yeah there are some times that people are like you know um I can't believe that you know you show all that or you can't really you don't have to believe it you're not my audience you know again your mind attracts your tribe so again I'll just delete and block and it's fine um but I do I know that I make it look effortless to like post a reel or post a photo and say, look, like here, here I am. Look how proud I am of me. And I am, I'm so proud of my scars and I'm so proud of what my body's been through, but I do often post and then like put the phone away. I don't want to see what anyone's going to say for many hours because I'm so afraid that if I see even, you know, one negative thing or somebody makes a judgment that maybe I'll feel inclined to take it down or I get embarrassed, you know, I am shy. I know, I know Brandon's not going to believe this, especially because he knows me, but I do have a shy side. I do have an introverted side to me. And that is part of it. It's like, you know, I say that I'm one part introvert, two parts badass, you know? So there's a little bit of, of an introvert in me where when I put these pictures out, the attention sometimes, even if it's positive, I kind of go, oh, I don't, you know, my neighbor's going to see that. And my friend's husband is going to see that. And my dad is probably going to see that. And it's like, you know, 
it is a little nerve wracking, but the thing is that the mission is so much more important than my moments of embarrassment or shyness. And I get messages every single day from people. I got three today already. Thank you for your videos. Thank you for your posts. I got an, I got a message the other day from somebody, you know, I had an infection in January and I posted pictures of infections and, and here's what the IV looks like. And, and here's the whole thing. And she said to me, I had an infection and I would never have known if it wasn't for you. So, for me, there's a bigger risk by not posting than posting. Because if one person touches her chest and feels a lump like I did and finds out that she has cancer and it saves somebody's life, then who cares about the haters? You know, that's their problem. Yeah, I feel like you speaking out about like topics that people usually keep hidden. I mean, that's so much better than you like you can't stay quiet about that stuff because then people do come forward. And that's probably why you have so many women that follow you and yeah, there's so many women, like when I was going through fertility issues, like I can't tell you, when I had my miscarriage, I was 12 weeks pregnant and I was showing, okay, I'm not a big person. So I was already showing, people knew I was pregnant, even though I didn't tell them. So when I miscarried, everybody knew. And what happened was people started coming to me and saying like, me too, me too, me too. And these are women I spent a lot of time with. You know, I was a stay-at-home mom. They were stay-at-home moms. We spent quite a bit of time together. They were good friends. And I started asking like, I don't understand. We're close. Like, why wouldn't you share that? Why wouldn't you want support from somebody that you love in that? But we're taught you don't tell anybody that you're pregnant until three months. Like, why? What if something happens? That's when you need the support. It's not when you're having a healthy pregnancy. You know, why wouldn't you want to share that? So I think that because I take these opportunities to take something that we've been taught to shut up about, and I say, screw that. Here's what I think about it. It it helps because there are so many women that say, I'm not. I'm not open about this. I'm afraid I'm going to get fired from my job. I'm afraid that my kids are going to be scared. I'm afraid, you know, it's weird. I mean, I get it. You know, as women, like I say, we're taught to be quiet. Well, it's just, it's just our society. Like we, we I think so much, so much is taboo, but then you go to like, you go to Europe and it's like, everybody's like, you guys are so conservative about everything. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. I think it's, it's just a societal thing. And And I face that too now, even because I had breast cancer, right? Like, oh my God, she's showing her breast. If I, God forbid, had skin cancer and I said, look at this mark on my skin, nobody would think twice about it, but because it deals with breasts. And then, and then they say, oh, you show everything. I'm like, guys, listen, let's face it. I don't have breasts. Okay. These are implants. They're accessories. Yes. They're under my skin and they're mine. So maybe you look at them and you see breasts and you sexualize them. For me, they're not sexualized. For me, they're just accessories, okay? It's a prosthetic. It's an amputation just like anything else, okay? So that's how I see it. But yet we're in this society that's still like, whoa, breasts, you know? Like uh, Instagram during Breast Cancer Awareness Month started um, taking down accounts like mine. Thank God they didn't get to mine. But um, people would post mastectomy photos, post mastectomy photos, and they were taking them down because the bots were reading it as nudity. And there is actually something in the Instagram um, laws or whatever you want to call it that say like you can show post mastectomy scars and such because we don't have nipples like I like to say I'm Instagram friendly because I don't have nipples so you know, I can post whatever don't I don't need want. to blur them out don't need to put a stripe <laughs> over them yeah. it's, by the way it's driving my plastic surgeon crazy because he's like we have to do nipples I'm like nah I'm good he's like no I'm <laughs> like that's the last thing and I'm like no I'm good good I'm really I'm good um but you know, they were taking down these accounts and it goes to show like they were sexualizing post mastectomy surgical photos. And it's crazy because we're trying to raise awareness. Mm -hmm. We're not posting them in a sexual fashion. 
Um, and a lot of people had a fight about it. Do you think that your vision changed the way that you shot boudoir after you got breast cancer? Because, I mean, you were just saying, you know, you feel like boobs are more of an accessory. So before you had breast cancer, did you did you visualize like more of an artistic feel to it? Well, my boobs are more of an accessory. I don't think Mm -hmm. of that in general, but I do have to say there was a period of time where I went back to work after my mastectomy and it was, it was between really my mastectomy and my full reconstruction. So I had expanders in, expanders make room for implants and they're horrible, stupid looking. Like one was here, one was here. It was like ridiculous. Um, and it was very hard for me at times when I would photograph a woman who didn't have breast cancer and she would come in and she would say, oh, I feel so fat and, I, and my and my boobs and my and I'm like, you know, like help me out here, sister. Like I'm trying to feel bad for you, but I, I'm having a hard time feeling bad for you because at least you have boobs, you know, like there, that that mentality did sneak in once in a while and it was hard for me, but I had to say to myself, okay, I have to remember that six months before this, I also had boobs and I beat up my body and I didn't appreciate certain things. And it's a perspective that nobody can have unless they've been there. Um, and look, it's not a coincidence, right? That I'm a boudoir photographer and I had to have my breasts removed. Like what are the chances of that? Right? So there's a lesson in it somewhere. There's a reason for it. And now I don't feel that way as much. You know, I do sometimes still get boob envy. It's like a real thing amongst breast cancer survivors. You know, like we'll see somebody with us showing a lot of cleavage or they look amazing. You're like, oh, I really miss that. Um, But I don't think it changed the way I view women necessarily. I think it's changed my perspective about bodies quite a bit. Um, It has, but it's, but now when a woman comes in who has not had a mastectomy it doesn't bother me as much as it used to because I think that the women that are coming in now have that perspective on their bodies. They, they feel like safe around me because they say, okay, I, you know, she removed her breasts and I don't feel weird about my having them with her. You know, we both have things, we have things that we're self-conscious about and we can connect on that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, I was expecting it to be worse, to be honest. You know, Mm -hmm. I thought it was going to, I, at one point I was like, I hope I can even work again after this. Like, I hope I can, see women that are whole and not feel, you know, that angst. Um, and I do sometimes feel it, but it's part of the journey. It's part of the morning. Um, you know, you, you can be happy for somebody that is whole and well, and at the same time feel for yourself. I wish that I was still in that, in that position, but you know, I have to be honest, like (laughs) I just wrote an article for a magazine about grief and acceptance and whatnot. And one of the things I said in there was that for a very long time, I had um, gone through thoughts of like, I, I would look at old photos of myself and I would say like, I really wish I was still that person. I really wish I could get back to that Jen. You know, that's the Jen I recognize. And then it came a point where I didn't recognize her anymore. Like I almost, somebody could sometimes show me a photo of myself before I had cancer. And there are times I've literally thought, who is that? I'm like, oh, wait, that's me. You know, like it's that's how detached I am from that person. And as much as I would love to live a life that's not touched by cancer again, I do not wish I was the person before, you know, like cancer has given me incredible perspective um, and incredible gifts that I mean, I'm like a thousand times more badass now than I was back then. And for that, I have to be grateful, you know, and I'm lucky that I survived. I'm, I'm a lucky person in that way. Yeah. So well, and I'm sure, you know, you probably have saved people without even knowing it. So 
I hope so. You know, because when I was diagnosed, I said, okay, this is happening for me, not to me. That's, that's what this is about. You know, Mm -hmm. again, I have an audience, I have a platform, I have a camera, and now I have a body that I can use to be an advocate and I'm going to use it. Yeah. Good for you. Awesome. Well, this has been, uh, (laughs) I mean, I just thank you for your, you know, for being vulnerable, putting yourself out there, talking about this. I think it's, uh, it's pretty damn cool. And I think even though this episode may not have been like perfect for photographers, like I hope people can take away something, know what somebody who doesn't matter what kind of cancer is going through, um, you know, some of the, the thoughts that they may, may be happening to them and, uh, you know, just be accepting, be kind to, to other humans because, you know, know life's too short to, to not be kind to other humans, right? Yeah, so. and you know, if there's if there is a, a photography message and all of that, it's that photography can be very healing on both sides of the lens. So when I was going through my fertility issues, it was very healing for me from behind the camera, mm-hmm. and I turned it into something very healing for those in front of the camera. And that you know anybody out there that is new to photography or is into photography for a million years, to just remember that it's a gift. What you know what we do is a gift, and you know it's our job to give gifts and and to raise the world up and that you don't have to be a portrait photographer for that. Right. Mm -hmm. You can, you can do any type of photography for that, but it's a very healing tool. And I love it for that reason. Yeah. It's fun to push boudoir photography too, because you just don't see it as often or at least hear about it as much. So, yeah. Well, cool. Well, Jen, where can people find you? I mean, you've got, obviously we've talked about your Instagram. Where else can people find you? Yeah, so everything that they want to know Jen Rosenbaum is at jenrosenbaum.com. Uh, my last name is spelled with a Z, don't forget. Um, but Instagram is really where um, people can find most of me as far as like my thoughts, my feelings. I, I kind of consider it a daily journal of what's going on in my life. And, you know, sometimes people will say, oh, I, don't, I haven't heard from you. I'm like, well, you know, or, you, or you're not public about everything in your life. And I'm like, yeah, well, if you just read my posts, you would know what was going on with me. <laughs> I I mean, there's a lot that I don't talk about on social media, right? But you'll get the feeling of it um, if you know me well enough. Um, But yeah, Jen Rosenbaum uh, is my Instagram handle as well. Awesome. Well, definitely go follow Jen. And uh, for those of you listening, make sure you subscribe at where you're listening to this podcast. If you're watching on YouTube and you got a chance to see text earlier on, or you just want to see Jen's smiling, bubbly face, uh, make sure you hit the subscribe button below. There's text one more time. And uh, we appreciate you joining us this week. We will see you next week for Photo Pros Weekly. Thanks for joining us.